<clears throat> All right, sir. Are you ready to go, Reg? Per usual? Very good, sir. All right. I like where those needles are bopping. Leave it right there. You have that marked, right? On the board? A little piece of tape with my name on it? You don't? Oh, yeah. Just put a little piece of tape with my name on it right at that level so you know where to put the gain up. Okay? All right. Cool. I thought you had that. Wow, you're just doing that by, by, by listening, by ear? Look at you. Mr. Producer, I'm giving you the easy way. Just put a piece of tape there, and that's where you know where it goes. <laughs> if there's an easier way, sir, take the easy way, and it makes it uniform. This way, the, the, uh, the volume is always there. I don't even have to keep saying, hey, I like where those needles are bopping, because we'll know they're going to be bopping there all the time. Obviously, I speak a little louder sometimes. I understand you have to ride the gain. I get it. I get it. But, you know, at least to start, right? Okay. Hey, you've done a fine job. So do it the way you want to do it. What's ever comfortable for you. But I'm just saying it could be easier. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. Let's get started with the show now, shall we? I'll give you the... Um, I'll give you the, uh, the three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. That seems to be going well so far for the last five years. So why change it now? What, 268 episodes that we're at? 268. Nice. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Three. Oh, no, sorry. Star, smile, strong. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, listening to this podcast is not your only responsibility. As a listener, your job, if you will, is to get out there. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Send them a link. Send them a message. Let them know that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion and, of course, that little extra effort. Oh, it is so appreciated. It is super appreciated. Whatever. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget... Go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the podcast section. Click the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all 267 episodes. At least I hope so. In the vault there. It's a big vault. I'm assuming they're still there. I mean, this we're making history here, folks. I'm sure, I, I sure hope they are. But at the very least, you can go back and listen to what we've talked about before, so you'll be in tune with what we talk about today and tomorrow and into the future. If there's 267 episodes in theory there, then this must be 268. Welcome to episode 268. So today on the podcast, uh, I've been observing, which is my want, which basically is the foundation for this podcast. My little observations, my little opinions, my little perspectives on things that hopefully are interesting and entertaining and maybe a little offbeat. Maybe things you never thought about. Maybe they're keen observations. Maybe they're obvious observations. Maybe they're just observations that you're not aware of. And that I'm helping you to uh, to point out for your own benefit, helping you to understand or learn about. Maybe you just, you know, in today's world, we are inundated with so much input, so much access. I mean, everywhere you go, there is information about something. On your cell phone, on your computer, you name it, uh, on television. We are 
We are just in an information overload, which is good. Information is good. Information is power, correct? But also, we, what we have lost as technology has created this amazing windfall, this, this amazing multi-platform world that we live in, uh, it has also, sadly, and I think we are, and if, and if I think more people are discovering the need for it now, I've felt the need for it many, many years ago, so hopefully the, the voice in the forest is being heard for, finally. But what we've lost with, with all this, with this information just flooding all these different devices and all these different platforms, we don't have a filter anymore. There used to be a filter. There used to be a, a, a you know, some kind of a, of a, of a, of an area where some things didn't get out. Now you can make an argument. Well, yeah, but once once somebody makes that decision, then there is subjectivity and bias and censorship. I understand the theoretical argument about having a filter, about having some kind of a of a of a little meeting ground or some kind of a of a thing you want to call it that that weeds out unnecessary information but once again the argument can be made what is unnecessary information what's unnecessary to you is necessary to me i get it but the sad part is that there is some really good important information out there that many of us are not getting because we just don't know where to find it or when to find it there's just so much out there how much can i do how much can I continue to seek and look for? And, and do I know all the places I need to go? There's no, there's no you know, central spot that, that gives me that. In the old days, if you will, you know, there was for television, for instance, there was TV Guide. I know it still exists, but it's, it exists as a former shadow of itself. Yes, all the different streaming services have their own websites. Every place has their own websites. But there's two trillion websites. There might be some days I forget to check a certain website. So while we have uh, this amazing amount of content uh, at, our, at our fingertips, we don't know, know always where to find it. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> But I do, I, I do wish, I do hope that someday soon, a lot of this will be whittled down because it's it's just it's it's like it's you're you're like Atlas carrying the world on your soldier so on your on your shoulders. How can you possibly be up on everything? There was a time in my life where I was fairly confident that I was pretty up on everything. I used to read, uh, you know, three to four newspapers a day. I had subscriptions to four, five, six magazines in all different types of areas, news, entertainment, specialty things, read the newspaper, had magazines, watched the news, and augmented it with the internet, all that. So there was, there was a time there, I would say in, in the mid-90s and early 2000s, where I was fairly confident that I was really up to date on on most important things because I was a news junkie, an information junkie, and I was putting the time and effort in. And there was at least um, a, a, not a finite, but a, a a manageable manageable is the word. There was a manageable amount of resources that you could go to on a regular and daily basis and feel as if by reading these or scanning these things, some, some things you just read a little bit about, some you read in detail, that you were up to date on most things. Well, now I, I don't know how that's possible. It's just impossible. There's just so much out there. And, and, and it doesn't seem to be slowing up, but I think that people are beginning to realize that they can't get their hands around anything. You know, there's so much out there that we're missing stuff. And some of the stuff we're missing is important, could be life-saving. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of lost information. And so uh, hopefully... 
I mean, maybe the, maybe the next Amazon, maybe the next Facebook is some kind of a warehouse, if you will, or some kind of a clearinghouse that systematically I could go to and find what I'm looking for. Now, I'm probably giving away a billion-dollar idea right here, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just seems to me that there, that there there is a need for that today because we are just we are we are just overwhelmed. But that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> don't you love my little tangents? Uh, what I wanted to talk about today is one of my little observations. That's how I got on that little tangent. But once again, as I say many times, just stay with me. I will, I will wander back to the main road. Robert Frost, right? Take the road less traveled. It made all the difference. I take many roads less, less traveled. But I also make it back to the main road where, I'm, where I, where I want to be. And that's where I'll, I'm, 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 so I'm guiding you through this little verbal excursion that we do every week. <laughs> this little verbal hike. That's what I like to call it, a verbal hike. You're hiking with me verbally and audit- auditorily, if you will. But uh, what I wanted to talk about is uh, one of the, one of the stations that I was talking about TV stations, right? And, and what's out there and, and what can you watch screen, streaming services, cable stations, uh, websites, podcast. I mean, there's just, oh my gosh, how do you start? Well, one of the, the comfort foods, and I talked about this about a year ago, especially during the, the early days of the pandemic, uh, was you know, trying to find comfort food, but not edible food. Comfort for the mind and the soul. And uh, for me, that was television. And I talked about how some of the comfort food TV shows I was going to during the pandemic just to, to feel a little, um, a little safe or a little uh, reassured during a confused time. And I mentioned how I went to the Andy Griffith show more than other shows. I'm a rerun television junkie anyway. Most of the shows that I watch are 40 or 50 years old. I actually watch things in black and white. I, I, I don't judge things by the, by the, uh, the color. You know, I, I have, <laughs> talk about, you know, okay, I, I, when, I, when, when I say I see no color, um, I, don't mean, I mean that certainly, you know, in a, in a worldview, but also in a television world. I don't watch a show because it's color or not. Aren't I evolved? Wow, that's very. I'm 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 very evolved as a person. I don't see color when I look at other people, or especially when I watch television. In fact, I prefer black and white. Look at me, so evolved. <laughs> and um, so, one of my favorite TV stations, I came upon uh, by accident several years ago. I have a satellite service. I don't have cable, so I really can't cut the cord. I have to knock down the cable if I de- or knock down the satellite if I decide to uh, to just go streaming an antenna. So I have I have one of the small little satellite dishes. I've had that. My gosh, I would say at this point, what by twenty five years? I was one of the first ones. I, I jumped on the the satellite dish service early in its infancy in the in the mid nineties, and I've been very happy with it. For the most part, they've gotten rid of some of uh, the programming over their own little squabbles that I'm not happy about, but I've been able to adapt. But anyway, so I found this station by accident, and then I also discovered that it was available over the air. I don't know if any of you even know that you can still find free over-the-air programming on television. If you have a television set and you have an antenna, whether it's a bad little rabbit ear one or, uh, you know, even just some, some kind of an antenna that has a stand, you know, it doesn't have to be a big giant thing on the top of your roof. It could be one of those little small ones that you plug in. You can get over the air programming and it's an HD. 
And if you watch television, there are some infomercials, infomercials for supposedly some very strong antenna. I don't know if those are good or bad. I just have some of the old antennas that I've had from old televisions back in the day, and I've just kept those antennas, and they seem to work okay to, for the most part. There's some stations that don't always come in, depending on the wind. <laughs> it's still an inexact science. And I don't watch, I don't watch over-the-air television all that much, but um, for some reason in our home... Um, there's certain spots in our in a kitchen where reception doesn't come in as well. I don't have the satellite on my television. Now I suppose I I guess I could I could actually do that. I know that they do have some new you know box with my satellite service that will allow multiple televisions. Once again, you know, I'm so used to what I do. I, I don't. I don't. Unha- I don't. I don't have that. I should get that really because it would make life a lot easier. But I. I don't know. I. My. You know. <laughs> my parents were older when they had me, so I. I was born. Uh, in. A, I. My influences are very uh, mixed, which may explain quite a bit. <laughs> I was born to uh, depression era parents, but I grew up. In a non-depressionary time, in a in a more open and uh, and freer time, and so I I, I I I struggled with those influences at home. You know, it was there was there was these these ingrained perspectives that my parents grew up with, based on when they when they were born. And but then when I go out into the real world, the real world is 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 different and changing from those old style perspectives. And so um, I had to balance those. So hopefully I have. I don't know. <laughs> Jury's still out on that one. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I mean I've got this. I still have as much as I am out there, and and hopefully very much a part of the the contemporary world. Um, you know, we always, uh, those things we learn when we're kids, they still stick with us for our whole lives, whether we, we know it or not, and whether we try to battle them or not, they're just ingrained. They were the first things we learned. And so, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why I shouldn't have this upgraded satellite box that allows me to have the satellite on several different televisions. Why not? Why don't I? Why do I have a flip phone? I, you know, once again, it, it, I, I understand. I, I'm, I'm in many ways, I'm very much a 21st century person, and then some other ways, I'm very much, you know, a throwback. I don't know. Somehow, it, it coexists. At least, it, I've been able to to make it work to some extent. <laughs> I don't know. We can debate that once again. But, um, but anyway, so uh, I found out that this station is also available on uh, over the air too station is called buzzer b-u-z-z-r and the name buzzer refers to game shows and it, it, it it's a 24-hour game show channel now there is the game show network as well which most cable systems have this is not the game show network this is a separate channel that has 24-hour game shows called Buzzer, B-U-Z-Z-R. And most of it, if not all of it, are all old. There are not any new shows. I believe the Game Show Network not only shows some vintage game shows of the past, but they also have original programming too. Reboots of classic ones or of classic game shows or completely new shows, game shows. That's the Game Show Network. But on Buzzer, it's mostly all vintage shows. And for the most part, it's shows from the 70s. Some from the 60s. Um, not too many from the 50s. But mostly from the 60s and 70s and 80s. And most of them, the Mark Goodson, Bill Todman productions. And, and that, if, if you are a Game Show fan, you know those names. Mark Goodson and Bill Todman production. They produced almost all of the game shows that were on television in the uh, the 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. 
now that that company is gone, you'll notice a um, a production company at the end of shows called Fremantle, which I believe bought all of the Mark Goodson television shows. And I think they produce The Price is Right, you know, like the, the game shows that are on now and things like that. Um, there were a few others in that time period in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Reg Grundy Production, I remember that name. There were a few, but mostly it was Mark Goodson and Bill Todman. And then sometime in the in the late 70s or early 80s, Bill Todman passed away, and it was just Mark Goodson. But uh, that was the production company for, you know, What's My Line and Beat the Clock and Match Game and Password and Concentrate. I mean, you name it. If you watch any old game shows, most likely from the 60s, 70s, or 80s, or 90s, and then the you know game shows went out of fashion for a while, until every uh, who wants to be a millionaire with Regis Philbin back in the two thousands, and that created a whole new interest in game shows. Now some have been around forever. Je- Jeopardy has been around since the eighties and never went away. But in terms of, I mean, game shows used to dominate televisions, especially during the the daytime hours. And then they they fell out of favor, and soap operas and talk shows took place in the '90s and 2000s. That's when you had your your Oprahs and your your Springers and your Ricky Lakes and your uh, you know your Maury Poviches and your Geraldo Riveras and um, your Sally Jeff, Jesse Raphaels and all those. The, the, those took hold then, and and now there's a mix, and obviously there's a lot of um, prime time reboots of many you know popular 70s shows or game shows like uh, $10,000 Pyramid and To Tell the Truth and Press Your Luck and obviously Family Feud has always been around there's been a couple that have been around uh, Match Game with Alec Baldwin so there's been a um, a resurgence and obviously now it's kind of hip to host one there used to be this small little group of what we would call quiz masters it's a great episode of Mary Tyler Moore show where Ted wants to um, Ted Baxter wants to host a game show, and uh, he's making a pretty good buck at it on the side. And Lou Grant, the pro, you know the news director, tells Ted, you know, you, you, you can't, I can't have my anchor man, who's supposed to be a serious, trusted voice, you know, hosting some silly game show. That's the way they were viewed. Game shows were viewed as kind of like the, on the low scale of entertainment. They were very popular, but. Uh, they were viewed as frivolous. And so, you know, Lou is talking to Ted and says, Ted, do you want to be a quiz master or a newsman? And so every time I think of that, a quiz master. But there was a small group that used to be the quiz masters on television. And some shows lasted for several years and some lasted for 13 weeks. But these same hosts would just be rotated. You'd see these same people. Some people got lucky, and they got a hit show like Gene Rayburn with Match Game. Started in 1973, the one that became so popular, and went to 1979, and then, uh, or, or maybe even 80. There was a nighttime version. Then he came back in the 80s with John Bowser Bauman for a Match Game slash Hollywood Squares version. Do you even remember that? Uh but uh, so some of them have made careers. Obviously, Bob Barker is, is the the epitome of that. Uh, with with the Price Is Right, my goodness, he he did that from the early seventies through the the, the mid two thousands, right? Uh, Family Feud has been on for probably almost forty years, uh, but uh, several hosts, not just one host. And now it's become a, a prestige thing. As I said, being a quiz master was not, uh, much, was not given much uh, respect. Those guys made a good living, but they weren't viewed in the same uh, showbiz hierarchy. But now, thanks to Drew Carey, who was a very popular, he had his own TV show, very popular comedian, when he took over for, uh, for Bob Barker, he really made it acceptable for younger celebrities to do it. There's no question that Regis Philbin 
reinvented the game show. It's, 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 it, it, that's, that's not even uh, an exaggeration. Uh, when Regis did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and it became a phenomenon, and it did, it, it brought the, the game show back into the pop culture world in a big way because, as I said, it was kind of it had faded, and it was never all that respected anyway. But Regis was very popular with his uh, daily talk show, so he's a popular um, personality. And then the show just grabbed the 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 interest of the entire country. And with a high profile person at that time, Regis Philbin, hosting it, it 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 kind of made it cool. But once again, at that point, Regis was in his 60s or 70s, so there was still a little, a little hesitancy uh, by the young hipsters of the Hollywood world or the entertainment world to, to host a game show. There was still a stigma to it because you were still thinking of the quiz masters of the 60s and 70s. But, uh, but then Drew Carey hosted a... I can't even remember what game show he hosted. It was some nighttime game show that didn't even last. But he did such a, a nice job on that show on CBS. It was during the summer that they offered him prices right. And now, I mean, he'll be there until who knows how long. Look at look at how long Alex Trebek did um, Jeopardy. Of course, Alex Trebek was not the original host. There was a guy named Art Fleming who started Jeopardy back in the 60s. But when they... Uh, brought it back in the mid-'80s. Uh, you know, Alex Trebek had hosted many game shows. He was in that little group. He was a quiz master. He hosted a lot of different shows that were really hokey and really stupid. But then uh, Alex suddenly became this uh, erudite and intelligent, uh, at least that's a perception on Jeopardy. Oh, Alex is so smart. Alex hosted high rollers with Ruta Lee, where they, you know, they 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 threw it was like a crap game with 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 big styrofoam dice. Okay, <laughs> that's what Alex Trebek was doing. He was hosting a version of Concentration, which was a show that was continually rebooted. And a lot of these Mark Goodson, Bill Todman shows. Many of them have had so many different reboots and so many different lives. They were they originally started back in the fifties in the early days of television, but you know what? They 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 were solidly popular, and all they did was bring them back ten years later with a new host, new more you know popular host of the day, uh, changed the rules up a little to reflect the the new you know, society of the time, the new culture, and then uh, gave them a new set with lots of flashing lights. Price is Right goes back to the, to the late 50s. Did you know that? Bill Cullen, who was another one of those guys who was on five million game shows. He was one of those quiz masters. A lot of these guys started in radio back in the 50s. They had good voices. And so initially, when television started, many of the early television hosts were all radio hosts because they had training. They could speak in front of a mic. They were well-spoken. They were comfortable. Um, many of them didn't last because they, they were not good-looking, though. <laughs> that was, that's also a major part of television. Some of these people had great voices until you saw them. They went, what? There's a guy named Fred Allen who was a very popular radio personality. Fred Allen. He's, if you talk to people that know radio from its earlier days, when you say Fred Allen, they know who Fred Allen is. He was a groundbreaking radio personality. But when television came along, and he was among the first people to be on television, but, man, Fred Allen was not a good-looking guy, and it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. He, he had, as, as the phrase goes, Fred Allen had a face for radio. <laughs> but many of the early television performers, whether it was news people like Walter Cronkite and Harry Reasoner and, and Edward R. Murrow, all these people were radio news people, radio announcers. Bill Cullen was a radio announcer. Many of these people started in radio, and then they were natural first selections as television um, came on. And then some 
faded away based on looks, based on charisma, who knows? And some lasted all, you know, for the last 40 years. But many of them had their start in radio. But there was a group of quiz masters. And, uh, and if you watch either the Game Show Network or this station that I'm talking about, Buzzer, check your listings, check your program guide. Or as I said, you know, if you if you do have a, a an antenna that you can you, that you do watch on a thing, check uh, check on your on your on your stations. Buzzer B U Z Z R, twenty four hours of old game shows, dating back to the fifties and sixties. In fact, on Saturday mornings they show the original Price Is Right with Bill Cullen hosting. And it's in black and white, and the show is hilarious. Some of the some of the prizes that they that show went so overboard, you, you, you have to watch it to believe it. Um, it's very similar, but yet very different to the prices right we have today. But the basics are there. But uh, the prizes are a little crazy. They, 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 they have you bid on submarines. <laughs> you can win a submarine. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with a submarine, but they do. <laughs> but it's basically this thing. You, know, you have to you know, bid on on items. They don't have as many of the like the games, you know, like you 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 know the on prices right you have the initial bidding and then when you bid then you go and play a pricing game. They don't really have those as much. They have a few little games. You could see where the the evolution of the show came from. But uh yeah, it's Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Old uh, reruns of the prices right. Uh but this buzzer station basically is based on reruns of match game uh, supermarket sweep, password. Then they'll throw in some other 70s and 80s shows that were on for a few years. There's a show called Now You See It. There's a show called Body Language, which is, language, which is basically like charades. Um, they do show old uh, reruns of Family Feud, uh, The Pressure Luck with Peter Tamarkin, with the, the Whammies. Big bucks, no whammies. They have the old, they have several versions of Password. They have some reruns of the original Password with Alan Ludden from the 60s. Then they have a a reboot of Password with Alan Ludden in the late 70s. And then they have, that that was Password Plus. Then they have Super Password after Alan passed away in the mid-80s with Burt Convy. And then they also have Burt Convy's Tattletale show. So it's all those those great uh, game shows that, that if you are a certain age, you grew up with. And if not, you can now watch in reruns uh, from the 60s and 70s. What's My Line with Soupy Sales. You know, you see, you know, it's so funny. Gene Rayburn, you know, got lucky with, with Match Game in 73, but there was an earlier version of Match Game. That's why it was actually called Match Game 73 when it first came out, because there was an earlier version that Gene Rayburn from the 60s did host it was it was very different it was the same concept but it didn't have the the little story things with you know blanks they were just kind of like you know fire blank and then you had to fill it in they weren't as imaginative the reason i think why why match game in the 70s became so popular is because of those little double entendre sexually suggestive uh little stories that gene would read and then he had to fill in the blank that gave the show a little edge a little naughtiness especially in the middays you know it was on in the afternoon early afternoon so it gave uh you know the housewives of the day who were basically watching it you know a little uh, so a little break a little a little naughtiness if you will but the early match game was really kind of boring it was just like you know hair blank there wasn't the night the cool little stories but gene rainburn hosted that show, and then he was brought back into action. But I, I see Gene Rayburn, you know, on, on uh, before he had that gig, you know, he was, uh, he, was, uh, he was a panelist on a lot of shows, like on What's My Line? And there were some people like Arlene Francis and um, Kitty Carlisle and, and uh, Bennett Cerf. These were people that were in the 50s and 60s who were on game shows as regular celebrities, you didn't even know. Most people didn't even know who these people were, except that they were on game shows, like Arlene Francis or or Kitty Carlisle. Whoever knew who they were, but they we knew them from game shows. They made their their made their their living and their notoriety 
being either guests or hosts on game shows. It was a major, major money-making television programming. As I said, it wasn't always respected to some extent. As time went on, first game shows were among the first shows on television, so they were very popular because there was a lot of quiz shows on the radio. Once again, mainly television in its early days, the programming was an outgrowth of what people listened to on the radio. Many of the early celebrities of television made the transition from radio. They already had audiences. So that's why in the early days of television, you had people like Milton Berle and Jack Benny and Bob Hope because they had very popular radio programs. And some of them were able to translate very easily into television. And as I said before, some didn't. But quiz shows and talent shows were also big on the radio. That's why you see today, you know, what do we have? America's Got Talent and, and The Voice and, you know, the granddaddy of them all, you know. Uh, you know, American Idol. Talent shows were huge on the radio. And they're huge on television again, as are game shows. So, it all, you know, as much as I said earlier, we have all this, we're inundated with all this content and all this information everywhere. But it's so funny how really, if you boil it down, what we're watching today, the most popular shows of today are basically the same popular shows from 60 or 70 years ago when television in the medium first started. They're updated, they're changed, but the basic foundation of what we watched 70 years ago, maybe almost 80 years ago, uh, on the first days of television, basically are the same today. Talent shows, game shows, comedy shows, dramas. On radio, there were the serials, there were the dramas, like The Shadow and and Dragnet. Dragnet was a radio show before a television show. You know, as I said before, comedies. Jack Benny show, Bob Hope show. There was Ted Max Amateur Hour. That was a talent show. And there were the quiz shows on the radio. So things really haven't changed as much as we think. We think we're so much more sophisticated. Maybe the, maybe the, the, the perspective of it all has changed, how they're produced. But the nuts and bolts, the foundation, we have our, our, our viewing habits really have not changed in 80 years. <laughs> but what has changed and once again, I'm coming back. That was a little detour again. Not a little road less travel, but I'm coming back on the path. One thing that has changed, and this is the main point of what I want to talk about today. One of the main things that has happened in our country over the last 70 or 80 years are attitudes, perspectives on life, on the culture. We all know in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, our culture has become much more sensitive, much more, it used to be called politically correct. Now it's sensitive. Now it's diversity. Now it's inclusion. Different words, same thing. Uh, we are trying to move away from a very male-dominated, pa- male-dominated patriarchal and, um, and uh, male power society which we certainly were, and we are trying to move away from that into a more diverse, where um, all colors and genders are represented and given their shot. And this uh, has been going on for a while. It's it's, it's not always fun to watch the sausage being made. There has been some resistance to it. There's also been some some wholesale acceptance of it. We, we don't do anything in moderation. I've always said that. So that's right now. I think right now our culture in a, in a whole as, in, as a whole is, is, uh, is, is very confused. We are in a complete uh, era of, of transformation, of, of reexamination, 
of 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 confusion of tumult and and then of course you know thrown and we were in that before covid and then that only added to the confusion and the uncertainty we are we've already been in that and we are in that and i believe we will be in that for the next 20 or 30 years so if you're looking for a stable world uh in the next 20 or 30 years uh try to try to stabilize your own little world you have some control of that because the outer world a lot of change a lot of constant churning we are we are we are making the sausage right now and it is not even close to being finished so if if you're looking to the outside world and going when is all this going to stop and when are things going to get back to normal whatever you think normal is you better try to make normal for yourself in your own sphere in your own bubble that's a new word right you can try to 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 at least have a little control over your 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 life in 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 the in the short term you know, maybe an arm's length but the outside world right now we are in major change major transformation major churn and because of the internet and social media um it's going to take a lot longer for things to settle down. You know, the '60s are always viewed as this, as that decade of change, right? And 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 uh, and the passing of the baton and the rise of the counterculture. And then, and even though the '70s and '80s, there were still, you know, there was women's lib, and there was certainly churn going on then. Then there was Watergate, and there was inflation, and Vietnam was still around, and there was a lot of churn in the 70s as well. But when the 80s came along, at least in the beginning, you know, the early 80s, still a lot of uh, divisiveness. Ronald Reagan was not a popular president for many people. He was viewed much like Donald Trump in terms of divisiveness. There was a, a clear line. You were either a, a Reagan supporter or not. In the first three years of, of Ronald Reagan's first term, uh, you know, uh, he was he was he was vilified by the by the left. He was not embraced. He was never fully embraced. But then in the mid eighties, the um, the economy got better, and everybody kind of just during I would say between eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, um, about those two and a half to three years. There was a little there was actually a moment when everything just kind of settled down. Everybody was just kind of enjoying themselves. The economy was moving. There was MTV <laughs> and 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 people just for for a few years just took a step back and and just uh enjoyed themselves. And then the stock market fell, and then we had Iran-Contra, and it all started up again, and then the divisiveness continued. But there were about two or three years. Uh, but that took a long time to get to. If you look back time-wise, time maybe you use the, the, um, the assassination of, of, of John F. Kennedy as kind of a starting mark when things got shaken. So that was 1963, and it wasn't until maybe 1983 or 84 when there was this little moment, short-lived, but still there, where there was this kind of like, hey, it's kind of fun to be alive. Let's enjoy ourselves. People were kind of having fun for two or three years. And then, of course, it, it all came crashing down. <laughs> so my point is, it took, us 23, it took us 20 years, from 1963 to 1983, 21 years or so, to get to that point, to go through a lot of change and a lot of tumult and a lot of transition. And that's where we're at now, and I believe that social media will only uh, elongate that because we have much, many more voices now chiming in. And once something gets fixed, then someone else chimes in with something else. So we never, get, we never seem to get done fixing. We have a lot of problems, but um, we never seem to, uh, to get ahead of them now. We're always reminded of something else wrong. There was a time when we would actually say, hey, you know what, we, we, we fixed that, and we, we moved on. 
But it, it, I think it's impossible today because there's so many voices. So if it took 20 years from 63 to 83 for us to finally find a little safe haven for a couple of years, then I would add another 10 or 15 to that. So, and I would say that basically, you know, our, our change didn't start just four years ago. Everybody, you know, could be assigning this to, uh, you know, President Trump's, uh, but we, the, the divisiveness was there long before Donald Trump. If you really think about it, the divisiveness started pretty much, um, if you want to look at it, at, in, in, at, in September, on September 11th. So that's been 20 years already. And, and maybe, uh, and, but that was a time of unity, obviously, but within the world there was great divisiveness. With our country, uh, I think the divisiveness really started full tilt when we went into Iraq. That's where the, the, the battle lines were drawn. That's where you started to see the difference between conservatism and liberalism. And the line was very straight and very, uh, very deep-rooted. And that's when it started. So you could actually look at, you know, we've been in this since maybe 2004. So it's been 17 years. Uh, but as I said, though we are in the throes now of social media, so I would add another 20 on to that. Because uh, and and maybe even more. Who knows if we're ever going to settle down? I don't know. Because we ha- we have this tool now that allows us, uh, you know, as a culture, many voices to chime in, and somebody always has a problem with something, right? Uh, Twenty thirty years ago, as I said before, there was a filter. Not everything got through, and so yes, there was there were still problems. But uh, but when the economy was 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 kind of running uh, uh, on all cylinders in the mid eighties, uh, we we kind of just took a deep breath and took a step back and and kind of just said, well, can we just? We know we have a lot of problems. Can we just enjoy ourselves for a little? And that really did happen. Our problems didn't go away. They were still there. We still acknowledge them. We still worked on them, but they didn't dominate our lives to the extent that they brought everything down. People also decided, you know what? The economy's good. I want to enjoy things for a while. There was a different viewpoint. And then when the stock market crashed in, 80, in 87, then that all came to an end. And then, as I said before, political scandals and... Um, and everything else began once again. So, uh, you know, as I said, strap in. It's going to be a while. Okay, that's another little road less traveled because what I was originally talking about was game shows. <laughs> you see, folks, this is why you listen to this podcast. We We talk about a lot of different things here. Hopefully interesting things that will at least make you think and maybe you learn a little something or maybe you're reminded of something that's the goal i originally was talking about quiz masters and how some things have changed over the last 40 or 50 or 60 years and i've learned that i observe that getting back to my main road i observe that watching many of these old game shows from the last 50 or 60 or 70 years going back to the late 50s and early 60s it's amazing so i i mean like i said i i i find myself watching a lot of these shows many times on a regular basis on on my uh you know on my dvr i have many of them taped to tape them every day to watch them and when there's nothing else on, that's the station. That's my default station now. It used to be the old reruns of Andy Griffith and things like that and the Honeymooners and stuff like that. And I still watch those too with regularity. But my, my main default now are watching those reruns of these game shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s. And to the point where there's only, you know, there's a, there's a finite number. I even, I'm, I, I'm watching now reruns of those old reruns, of those old reruns. I'm, get, I'm beginning to know contestants' names 
Just like I know all the, 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 the dialogue of Andy Griffith and Dick Van Dyke and the Honeymooners and the Odd Couple and all these shows that I love so much that you know, have been on you know, decades ago, just like I know all those in Seinfeld, uh, you know, so many other shows that I know, I know the dialogue by heart, I'm now learning the contestants' names and remembering the questions and the answers with that same kind of memory and that same kind of recall on old game shows. Oh, that's right. This is the one that wins, you know, four games in a row. This is the one that, oh, this is the contestant that wins this. Oh, this is the one where uh, this contestant says this and Charles Nelson Riley <laughs> says this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm getting that proficient in it. When, when, a game, when, when, a, when an episode of Match Game or, or Concentration or Sale of the Century, or Match Game PM, or Password Plus comes on, I know, oh my gosh, it's, it's Patty Duke and John Aston when they were married. I remember this. Oh, wait, wait, on this word, uh, John Aston says this, and sure enough, he does. <laughs> so I'm, I now have memorized, just like I've memorized over the years, the dialogue to all these sitcoms and other shows like Dragnet and other dramas, of the past, I am now using that same mental capacity to fill my brain with information about old game shows. Maybe, I, I don't know, this is good. I mean, this is my version of doing the crossword puzzle. Hopefully, uh, this will help my brain power and keep me away from any kind of uh, neurologic, uh, ne- neurological disease as the aging process continues. I don't know. I'm, I'm not doing crossword puzzles, but I'm watching old TV shows and memorizing them. <laughs> that's, my, that's my fight against dementia and Alzheimer's, right? I don't know. We'll see if it works. Call me in about 15, 20 years. <laughs> but yeah, so now I am like a, uh, a game, old game show junkie. And I enjoy it. I remember some of these... Watching them as a kid, I loved Match Game. Um, I wasn't a huge pass or uh, Price is Right guy. I, I was never a big fan of, of, of Bob Barker's, but I loved Password. Uh, I wasn't a big Burt Convy fan, so I didn't really... I mean, I watched Tattletales, but wasn't a big fan. I did like Bill Cullen. I mentioned Bill Cullen before. Um, I used to watch Jeopardy on and off, but uh, Alex's... Attitude on that show kind of bugged me. There was a show, I mean, there was, when you talk about the quiz masters of that day, there was uh, there were several that would just be, as I said before, rotated. And they were all, I mean, Mark Goodson and Bill Todman, Mark Goodson certainly had his group of favorites. And those guys, you know, make fun of them, if you will. They were quiz masters, but I guarantee you, those guys had jobs for 30 or 40 years. They may have not been on the same show, but they, they kept... They kept showing up on different shows. I bet you they all lived in mansions. Say what you will, but I think they led pretty nice lives. I was watching uh, an episode of a show called Now You See It with a, um, a, a quiz master named Jack Nars, who was the brother of Tom Kennedy, who was also a quiz master. Could you imagine the odds of two brothers becoming quiz masters? I don't know. I think their original name was Nars, and I think Kennedy changed his name. But uh, but Jack Nars uh, was on a show called. He was on several shows. He was on the original concent or concent or on a seventies version of Concentration before Alex Trebek hosted it in the eighties again. But uh, he was a show called Now You See It, where there was a board of. It was almost like the jumble. Well, not so much the jumble. You it was it was all these letters, and you had to find words. They were all buried within this big giant board they asked you a question you had to say you know position one you're line four position eight now you see it it's on buzzer uh like on sunday mornings at three in the morning which is that's one of my my shows in the dvr i love now you see it but i say this because on one of the episodes one of the contestants was peter falk's secretary right colombo from TV's Columbo. So she says, uh, he says, what do you do? And she says, well, I'm the private secretary to TV superstar, which is how she <laughs> described him. I am secretary to TV superstar Peter Falk. <laughs> and here's Jack Nars, right? 
Oh, you know, he's just some quizzes master. Here's what Pete, here's what Jack Nair says. Oh, I golf with Pete at the country club. At the country club. Okay, Jack Nars is a is a member at the same place where Peter Falk is. So that means that Jack Nars had some bucks. If he's in the, if he's hanging around the same place where Peter Falk was, because Peter Falk made a good buck as Columbo, and Jack Nars is hanging out with Peter Falk at the same country club. So say what you will about these quiz masters, but uh, you know they laughed all the way to the bank. But there was Bob Barker, there was, like I said, Bill Cullen, there was Gene Rayburn, there was Bert Convey, who actually was an actor, he was a Broadway actor, but there were some straight quiz masters like Jack Nars and Tom Kennedy and Alex Trebek and Jim Lang from The Dating Game and Bob Eubanks from The Newlywed Game and later from Card Sharks. Uh, as I said before, Gene Rayburn, Alan Ludden from Password, uh, and a lot of these guys would just continue, you know, uh, Jim Perry from Sale of the Century and also from Card Sharks. That was a show that had a lot of hosts. Um, but they just got regurgitated. And and if their show got canceled, they got another one. Tom Kennedy was, I remember him as the host of a show called Split Second where you could win a car, you turn the key, and it went, or rum. And then later on, he was the host of, uh, he took over for uh, when Ellen, Ellen Ludden got sick on, on Password Plus, and then he was on Body Language. As I said, Jack Nars was on this Now You See It. Then he was on Concentration. Bill Cullen was on, as I said before, Price is Right. Then he was on Blockbusters. Then he was on uh, uh, Child's Play, which was had a bunch of kids talking about questions. They just kept bringing them back. Then they were guests on the game shows. Jack Nars was on Match Game. Bill Cullen was on Match Game. Bob Barker was on Match Game. They became celebrities in their own right and then were the celebrities on the game shows that had celebrities. (laughs) So say what you will. But here's my point. Here's my original point. I'm going to get to it, folks, before the podcast ends, believe me. (laughs) Old... Game shows with old attitudes. That's my point. When I'm watching these game shows from the 60s and 70s and even 80s, it is amazing. You know, we're hearing people today talk about, you know, system, you know, systemic racism, systemic misogyny. Um, you know, we're in an era right now of female empowerment. We're in an era of diversity where some of these groups... You know, people of color, women, gays were marginalized in our society, and it was basically a white male dominated uh, society. And you could say, oh, well, yeah, no, it wasn't, blah, blah, blah. Well, but you know what? When I'm watching these game shows, I'm learning a historical lesson. Because what did I just say to you? Did you see me rattle off all of those names of the quiz masters? Did you notice there were no women that I mentioned? Did you notice that? Did you notice that of all those names I mentioned, there was no person of color? No women, no person of color. Now, we don't know about their sexual preference. Who knows? Maybe some of those guys were gay, but it wasn't cool to say that back then, 30 or 40 years ago. And not only were game shows among the most popular shows on television, Dominated by white men. But the patriarchal attitudes are what really hit me when I watch these shows now. It's amazing, for instance, how women were treated. I mean, as I said, you saw you saw very. I mean, when I'm watching these game shows, there are very few African American or people of color, either on the you know in the celebrities on match games. Sometimes they had you know Scoey Mitchell, uh, you know as, as as you know, and Nipsey Russell was on, but there weren't a lot of of of, of African Americans on game shows on a regular basis. There were women because, but they were usually pretty or ugly and funny. You know, 
Um, but very few people of color were either contestants or, you know, the celebrities and none of them were the hosts, but very, and no women, no women hosts, no regular women hosts. I just rattled off a bunch of names. there, not a woman's name in the, in the group there. And this was from the sixties through, you know, now, uh, you know, Elizabeth Banks is is hosting a, a new version of, um, of pressure luck. They're still mostly men, but there are some women. There was a new version of um, of um, of of uh, supermarket sweep, but um, mostly still men. But at least we're starting to get there. But uh, but the the most thing the, the the most obvious part was not only the the male dominated hosts and the white male dominated host but the the uh cultural acceptance or the or, or the place and not the acceptance but the the hierarchy and the place and i say this like this if you watch on buzzer watch the original password it's on in the in the afternoon and once again you could set your dvr to this if you go on buzzer if you watch the password from the 60s Alan Ludden, nice guy, right? Very popular, married to Betty White, known for password. In the late sixties, when there, when he was the host, when he spoke to the female contestants, he asked them their name. Mostly, they were referred to by their married name, not even by their first name. Oh, we have Mrs. Uh, you know, Mrs. Smith. On that original password I was telling you about with Bill Cullen in the nineteen uh, late 50s, early 60s, he didn't even call them by their first names. The, he called every woman by their married name. Okay, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Smith, what is your bid? Mrs. Jones, what is your Smith? What is your bid? Never mentioned their first names, only their married. They were, they were identified by their married last name as if they had no identity. Alan Ludden on this password in the 60s basically says to the women, oh, we have Mrs. Smith with us. And what does your husband do? He doesn't ask her, what does she do? What does your husband do? Every so often he'll say what, and she says, well, I'm a housewife. I have three kids and my my hobbies are tennis and golf. So clearly these are women that were housewives and they probably were from affluent things and they were members of the country club. Where do you play tennis and golf back then? At the country club. But mostly, Alan said, Mrs. Smith, what does your husband do? Oh, very good. And then we move on. Didn't ask Mrs. Smith what are her hobbies or what did she do? Regularly on Now You See It, which was in the mid to early 70s, Jack Nars regularly referred to the female contestants as girls. These are grown women. These are grown women. He refers to them as girls constantly. Okay, girls, put your hands on your buzzers. Okay, now we've got uh, we've got the girls and the and, and the men. That's how he would say it. We have on this team we have the men and the girls, and this time we have two girls. Okay, girls, get ready. Here comes your question, girls. Girls, girls. These are grown women calling them girls regularly, and nobody's batting an eye. Gene Rayburn was was constantly saying inappropriate things to the female contestants on match game. He would he when a new celebrity uh, female celebrity came on the show, he would pull out a little um, mouthwash and one of those little spritzy things that you hold like a banaka blast, and he would do it in his mouth and he would kiss the new celebrity. And he would constantly flirt, talk about messing around, fooling around with the celebrity guests all the time. And when there was a young, pretty woman there, Jeans was just zeroed in and, and made sexually suggestive comments all the time. And as we know, Richard Dawson made a career out of that on Family Feud, kissing every woman all the time. And even on Match Game, if they got the big money match, they would all hug Richard and kiss Richard, and Richard would, would give them major kisses and major hugs. Maybe that's where he even got the idea later on, on on Family Feud. But there was just this acceptance of women as objects. 
or as wives, as, as second-class citizens. What does your husband do? Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking about Rayburn. Alex Trebek on this classic concentration from the 80s, constantly, when there was a good-looking woman, he would lean in toward her side, if she won, they would go to this other area to play another portion of the game. He would be holding their hands. Sometimes he held their hands while they're playing the main game. But if there was a man on one side, a woman on the other, if there was a pretty woman, he was leaning in toward them. If there was a young woman in her 20s, he would ask, how old are you? Are you married? And then he would make some, some little off-color joke that everybody laughed at. And even the women were not offended by this. If they were... They certainly didn't show it. They seemed to be playing along. I think, I mean, sadly, I think, I don't know, either women weren't aware of it or they realized that was the game and they played along. What a shame that was, too. But when you watch these reruns now, many times, it's hard for me to watch these game shows. As much as I enjoy the game show for the, for the sake of the game show, a side part, a sideline, a byproduct of watching these shows from 40 or 50 years ago is to see how we were culturally. And my gosh, look, I am a white male, right? Supposedly, I have all the power. I don't know how much power I have. But it's hard to watch these shows from 50 or 60 years ago and not see the complaints that people who were marginalized for decades to see their point. On these game shows alone, if these game shows are a time capsule of our culture, which they are, from the 60s and 70s and even 80s, if they are time capsules, and they really are because they are reflecting what, who we were, what we wore, what we talked about, it, it, it reflects our culture, it really does, then wow, it doesn't say a lot about our culture. You, under, you better understand when people complain about the systemic or systemic uh, racism or misogyny, and you might say, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. Just watch these game shows. And I guarantee you, if you watch them with any regularity, you will see a male, white male-dominated society on parade. The hosts were all white males. The celebrities were mostly white males or, or cheesecake, pretty women who were just there to look at. Uh, few of the uh, panelists or game shows or the contestants were, were people of color. Very few. None of them were hosts of the show. No women were hosts of the show. And when women were on the show, the male hosts really did act inappropriate and treated women almost like second-class citizens. What does your husband do? Women were defined by their husbands. They weren't defined as people. Old reruns can be fun, but they also can be very enlightening because old reruns also, at least in this case with these game shows, show a lot of Old attitudes. I don't know if the price was always right. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and your devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 268. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. The password today is inclusion. <laughs>